podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, Fight Fans, before we begin the episode, I just want to take a moment to wish you all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And a big shout out to our sponsors for this podcast Bear Attack Boxing. Bear Attack Boxing by boxers, for boxers, endorsed by people like Tyrone McKenna and Tommy McCarthy. Some high quality gloves that they do. I want you to go over to there and check out the products that they're doing at the moment. If you go onto their website, which is www.bearattackboxing.co.uk, you can have a look at some of the real great quality products that they're putting out there at the moment. And from the 1st of January, they've got a 10% discount offer on with the code BAB2019, exclusively for you, the listeners. Follow them on Facebook and on Twitter at Attack Boxing and go and check out all the brilliant products that they're doing at the moment and look out for some great new quality stuff in the new year. Welcome Fight Fans to the Weekend Reaction Show for the two huge cards that we've just seen last night. We had Dillian White, David Chisora and Josh Warrington versus Cal Frampton and some of the great undercard fights that was also on the two cards. So Jordi, I'm looking forward to it. Some great boxing this weekend. What are your initial thoughts? Uh, yeah, I'm just on a bit of a massive come down to be honest. It was just, it was a, it was a bit intense trying to take in both cards. Just like just trying to digest the amount of fights that were actually on, but um, yeah, I thought it was a uh, brilliant to be honest. Both main events uh, lived up to the hype as well. And, you know, as we see a lot of the times, these big pay per view cards sometimes they don't live up to the don't live up to the hype. But it's, uh, these two definitely did. They did, and it's it's great to actually say that you know we had a really really great weekend for boxing. As in, there's some really cracking fights uh, that 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 lived up to the hype, like you just said there. And I think. I want to start with Carl Frampton versus Josh Warrington and the the outcome, obviously, of the result last night and Josh Warrington picking up the victory on a unanimous decision and, and retaining his title, much to a lot of people's shock, really. I think there was a lot of people out there that really didn't think that Josh Warrington would be able to keep Carl Frampton off him, but I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, I was right. I'm fucking telling you, I was right. I knew Josh Warrington. <laughs> yeah, you did say to be fair. I mean, I was I was torn down the middle. I didn't really know um, how this fight was going to go, and I, I didn't want to try and sort of blag it and tell everyone I did. But I mean, the, especially the first two rounds, Warrington was uh, Warrington was amazing. Like he had he had Frampton going, and he was just absolutely relentless. And as Carl uh, Frampton alluded to after, it looks like he sort of his power has gone up a little bit. I mean, he's always. At, I mean, people have sort of. Give him criticism for not having loads of power in the past. He's always just had power to get people's respect, you know, in fights. But he looked like he was really, really hurting Frampton, and it was more than one occasion. Yeah, he did. It looked like he hurt him on a couple of occasions, and people have have sort of disrespected his power in the past and talked about him having this fantastic engine, but you know, not really a lot of punch power. And there's there's, there's no there's a lot of critics out there that will say, well, when he comes up against somebody that that can you know stand up to them punches quite easily, then he's going to be fine and Carl Frampton couldn't let's be honest he couldn't he couldn't really stand up to the relentlessness of the attacks and the pressure and the educated pressure that he put on and I was talking about it in the keys to victory and the episode preview wise on Thursday and Friday it was like 
he had to pressurise constantly and not give Frampton a minute, and he didn't, and that's exactly how it went down, and obviously he picked Educated up... Educated pressure, though, which I think is the most impressive thing. Like, it's not just... It's just it's not just blood and guts, you know what I mean? He's not just relentless. It's abs- it's actually educated pressure. You know, what he does and the way he manoeuvred Carl around the ring at times. You know, people don't people ha- haven't in the done that to get him out of sort of sticky spots. It's like when he just couldn't he just couldn't live with Warrington and I didn't see that coming, but I mean on the other hand I think you gotta give a lot of respect to Frampton because, you know, a lesser man would have definitely, you know, either went down and got out of there or would just have slipped to a, you know, a landslide defeat. But he kept it very, very competitive, and he had his moments himself. But I think overall, it was just a brilliant fight. But um, it's about time Warrington got his respect from us all, really. Yeah, he definitely got a lot of respect after last night. There was a lot of uh, statuses on Facebook and Twitter that were saying every time they write Warrington off, he comes back and does something like this, and he's done it again. And I just, I just had this feeling he'd do I've this last night. Yeah, no, you were yeah. the first to do it. I mean, against Selby, I, I didn't give him a chance in. I mean, I basically thought that was home and dry Selby. And again, last, like as I said, I thought it was tight, but, you know, with a gun to me, I definitely would have went Frampton. But he just seems, I think he just seems to be getting better and better and better. And um, he's just, he's got a massive, massive year ahead next year. And, you know, he's banging the argument for being British Boxer of the Year, having Selby and Frampton on his on his record now. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree with that. I think there's call, definitely calls for that for for awards for 2018 anyway, and that's something we can sort of think about for our end of year show and who we're going to put as the most improved fighter of the year or best fighter of the year. You know, it kind of, kind of falls into them categories. Certainly, it was a really really good fight, and it, with, it, with it being so much boxing on last night, you know, they had to be standout fights, and this was obviously one of them, and it lived up to the hype as we said at the top of the show. And I was really really chuffed with Josh Warrington getting finally really getting the respect he deserves off uh, a lot of critics and and you know sort of media journalists out there that have wrote him off before it was nice to see get him getting that respect last night but it's it's not also nice to see how quickly as we've said previously in the past couple of weeks how quickly people jump on the bandwagon of people being on the slide and again last night it was like Carl Frampton's lost where does he go from here he's on the slide and that's what people were saying last night now sometimes I've been the sort of person to say that but last night there was quite a few people uh, on social media doing it it's like oh Carl Frampton he must be on the slide now dramatically on the slide though to be honest like I think he got be fair and square last night and you know I don't think Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think Carl is dramatically on the slide. No, he got older, yes, obviously we all do. He's lost not lot of, lost an ounce of his punch resistance, clearly. His boxing ability is still there. You know, his style's slightly adapted under James, Jamie Moore, but I, I wouldn't say he's a shot fighter by any stretch of the imagination. I just think he was beaten fair and square. He's just probably beaten by maybe a younger, fresher, hungrier man, maybe. you know. His style's a bit, a bit wrong for him. But I think Wellington's style's wrong for most people, to be honest. He's, he's, he's tough. He's tough and he's hard work to deal with. And he's going to cause some of the bigger guys in the division a lot of problems. And loads... Uh, again, I talk about social media and I talk about other people. But I kept on seeing... Warrington versus Santa Cruz last night on social media. Like People were, were calling for it. Like I'd love to see that fight. Yeah. The amount, the amount of punches Santa Cruz throws and the amount of punches Rob, uh, Warrington throws. I mean, <laughs> I'd love to see the stats if they ever, if they ever <laughs> fought. Be some serious amount of punches getting thrown. But it's a serious call for, for, for a fight in the future if, if Santa Cruz decides to 
uh, try and make the the featherweight limit. I, I thought he was going up to super featherweight. I, I, I was always under the impression he was going up to super featherweight, but I don't know. But I could be totally talking at my ass again. But <laughs> I honestly thought he was going up to super feather. But a feather a featherweight fight between them two would be brilliant. Or Josh Warrington Gary Russell Jr. would be a pretty good fight, for, you know, for next year for Warrington as well. Yeah, I mean, but he's in the conversation with all the big names in the division now. You know, he's one of the main men. And you know, people could people were sort of saying he might have got lucky against Selby, and Selby might have been um, you know weight drained and stuff. But I think with a name like Carl Frampton on your record, you are at the top of your division, and he's he's you know a great world champion now and a, a solid world champion. Absolutely, hundred uh, percent. Looking forward to seeing where 2019 takes Josh Warrington. Commiserations for Carl Frampton. I'm pretty sure he's going to be back next year, and I'm pretty sure they'll make a decision on, as to whether they'll keep him down at featherweight or whether they'll try and move him up. I don't know what the plan is. It, you know, let him take his holidays, let him have a chance to rest up, come back, see what happens next year. But you know, all the big props to, to Josh Warrington on a, a brilliant performance last night. Yeah. I think uh, you know easily walk away. He hasn't got much to, he hasn't got much more to achieve in the game. But you know, if he carries on, um, I, I wouldn't really, wouldn't really blame him either. But yeah, like I said I'm sure he'll enjoy Christmas and spend some quality time with his family, and then we'll hear some news uh, in in the early part of 2019. But you know, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't be, wouldn't mind seeing them two fight again. But I think Frampton will always be a good addition to the division, and it's it's purely down to him now. So well, should we go to the other main event of last night, which was Dillian White versus Derek Chisora? And I was watching these two main fights side by side, split screen last night. And I tell you what, man, that was also a cracking fight as well. It was I couldn't take my eyes off either. It was so hard to try and watch both fights last night. But this White and Chisora fight, it just it just carried on where it left off. Yeah, they, they literally just went at it straight away, didn't they? And you know, Derek was seriously hurt in that first round, I think. Yeah, it was. Yeah, but, and I sort of thought this can't happen. It can't be a one-round blowout. But you know, Dillian didn't really follow that up, and that was sort of picked up by Joshua in the in the commentary. But I think Dillian fought a very, very intelligent fight. To be honest, I think the fact that spectacular it might his boxing uh, performance might be a little bit forgotten about. But I thought he boxed with you know brilliant control, and he didn't really get involved when he could have. I mean, Chisora had his moments, but I think Dillian was always. You know, just a little bit fresher, but I thought he his game plan and the way he the way he performed within that game plan was just brilliant. He he has improved massively and I've said this a few times and I was saying on the preview episode we did for this fight that he doesn't get himself as emotionally involved and last night shown it for me, he's shown how much he's grown as a fighter. The fact that he didn't always stand and trade but he did when he needed to, and he hurt Chisora on a number of occasions. But Chisora also seemingly looked like he'd hurt White on a number of occasions as well. And it was it was a really compelling fight. And sort of six seven rounds in, it was uh, it was really really close. And then Chisora had two points deducted for for long yeah, shots, which I thought was a bit ridiculous because he, he really was. The lot, he, land, he must have landed quite a few body shots. I've not seen the punch stats for you, but he must have landed a few. And there's a few that looked like they'd slipped a little bit low. But the referee, I mean, come on, man! How many? You know, I know he warned him. I appreciate that, but he's just—he just for me. He kind of. It kind of turned the fight on its head, to be honest with you. I don't know about you, how you feel about that. But as soon as he started getting points deducted, it was like he started to kind of give up in some respects. Yeah. Well- Interestingly, he was actually up on two of the cards, wasn't he? So I know. <laughs> you know, two of the judges weren't weren't um, weren't giving Dillian White much, but I thought, yeah, I, I sort of thought the point deductions was just classic Chisora, to be honest. 
you know, in the past he's been in brilliant positions and sort of messed it up for himself. And I thought that sort of the way it was going last night. I mean, he'd been warned repeatedly. And yeah, the referee probably, well, maybe could have been a bit more lenient, but um, he, he just kept giving the referee an excuse to get involved. And, you know, fair play to Dillian, he wasn't moaning at all, but it was just one of them where it was just, he just didn't need them points to look good, especially at the, that point in the fight. I think it was around like 7 8. You know, when the fight was really getting into the home stretch, he just didn't need to be given Dillian not only a physical advantage, but, you know, that little mental break. Do you think at that point where he had that second point deduction, do you think... Because, well, I think that at that point, that's where the fight started to turn a little bit. And I don't know if that was a mental factor, but do you think it had mentally had anything to do with the fact that he started the fight started to turn around in White's favour at this point? Yeah, well, it's a 10-8 round, isn't it? If Dillian gets through it, it's a 10-8 round. So, that could to make Shizor, I think, subconsciously. Well, I've got to do more next round, so it sort of throws the game plan off. So, yeah, maybe, you know, the reason he got knocked out... I mean, that left the hood and knocked absolutely anybody out, but, you know, maybe that was just Derek getting lazy and desperate because sort of in the lead-up to, to him being knocked out, he was getting a bit desperate and maybe that did come from the point deductions, but I thought he'd give the referee a chance to get involved and he shouldn't have done that. He he got warned enough times to know to keep his punches up and it's sort of, yeah, it was just classic Chisora for me, but I think... The knockout was was brutal. I, mean, I was worried for a minute, to be honest. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was horrible to see the way he landed like a sack of shit on the floor. It was horrible. No, I mean the the sheer weight of the man, and you know, sometimes you see pe- people go down differently. But he was out cold from the minute it landed, and his head obviously bounced off the canvas, and it was a bit uncomfortable to watch. But you know, what a warrior! And both of them to to dish that level of violence out on each other over, you know two fights has just been absolutely amazing and I hope they go on to maybe not have a friendship but I hope the respect's there between them now because we've seen them talk a lot of crap and um, get involved in silly things but you know I hope they do respect each other now because they've given us two great fights I seen the video uh, in the in the dressing room afterwards after they both obviously got themselves sorted and they both uh, they both sort of sat down talking and it was nice to see a little clip it's only uh, about 15 20 seconds long that I seen this morning on social media of them chatting but it was kind of like both acknowledging the fact that there's respect there between one another so yeah you're right it, it was good to see that now and hopefully from here on in there'll be no more sort of shit talking between them but what did you make of the aftermath of the of the fight where obviously Dillian White was interviewed and you know he's he's calling out Joshua he Badly wants Joshua, and Joshua comes up to the apron and starts sort of giving us his his pre-scripted fucking jargon yeah, shit. I, I didn't enjoy Joshua on commentary. I didn't enjoy him as a pundit, and I didn't enjoy that a little bit. And I'm, a, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm a, I am a Joshua fan. What so he's done for Sporting Britain has been brilliant, and you know he's a brilliant fighter, brilliant champion. But sometimes it just feels a bit robotic when he's talking and. That thing with um, Dillian, I think I don't think Joshua took too well to get booed by the crowd. The crowd <laughs> sort of turned on him a little bit. But, you know, we didn't want to hear about Wilder yesterday. That was Dillian and Chisora's night. I wish he would have got in and said, yeah, let's do it, you know what I mean? Let's get it on. Because, yeah, we know he wants Wilder, but we don't need to hear that recycled over and over again. No, you know, I don't. I think it would have been good if he, if he got, just dropped his guard a little bit and just, you know, don't, don't take it too far and start throwing anything. But if him and Dillian would have had a little bit of a you know, a little bit of back and forth there. It just starts to build something slowly, doesn't it? But, yeah, I think, as you say, it was a bit scripted with the old um, Wilder thing. And, yeah. I totally agree with you, Jordy, on the sense that I didn't want to hear about the whole Wilder situation last night. It's like, 
everybody knows he wanted Wilder. He could have had Wilder before, but he didn't. So, at the end of the day, Dillian White stood there saying, I want you next. I want, you know, I've worked my way up. And you could see Dillian White getting really frustrated in the ring. Like, at one point, he just sort of pushes the mic away as if to say, you know what, I can't be arsed with this shit anymore. I'm not even interested anymore. It's obvious that, you know, you're not going to do it. And Dillian White is just the, the last resort. And that's basically what Joshua was saying, which is crap for Dillian White because Dillian White's really worked his ass off to get where he is. And he's, he's said that a few times. And, you know, it's it's frustrating as, as fight fans that we're going to have to wait and see where we get some more shit negotiations going on that never come off. And, you know, why don't they make the fight as easy as they did Wilder Fury? I don't want to go too much into it, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, why how can't they make this fight as quickly as Wilder Fury was made? If that doesn't happen, it's just absolute bollocks, which it has been for the past six months anyway. So I hope that, you know, Chis- uh, not Chisora, White actually gets his shot, uh, maybe at a rematch. And I've said on the preview episode, again, I keep going back to that preview episode, I mentioned on that episode that there's a very good chance that White will fight Joshua at Wembley on April the 13th. Yeah, and I, th- I don't think anyone could sort of begrudge Dilly again. That's short of, if, you know, the unification fights don't come off. To have a CV in 12 months of um, Lucas Brown, Joseph Parker, and, you know, another and knockout victory over Derek Chisora, that's as respectable as any heavyweight, any active heavyweight in the world. So I think he's, he's justified the world title shot, and I just don't, I'm just not convinced it'll, it'll come off. I think... Um, I think if we don't see Joshua Wilder or Joshua Fiori, I think we're going to see the dreaded Joshua Miller. <laughs> yeah, well. I think um, it's really harsh on Dillian, but he's just getting, you know, forgetting Joshua for a minute. White's honestly getting better and better and better. And he looks now, he looks like an athlete now. You know, he looked, he looked fantastic uh, yesterday. He, his boxing ability is coming along, his conditioning, everything about him, he's just getting better and better. And I think he's going to be really, really dangerous for anyone next year. So, some great fights on the undercard. Uh, any particular ones that stuck out in your mind that you'd want to talk about? I've got a good feeling you're probably going to want to talk about Heffron Williams first. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was brilliant from Williams, to be honest. I mean, you know, on the preview episode, I sort of said to you, um, like I couldn't really understand the better nods and why Heffron was this big favourite, but I didn't I didn't have the courage to actually put my money where my mouth is, unfortunately. But <laughs> um, well, it was one of them. I just I to my mind, I I just thought Williams was such a dramatic step up that it was always going to be problems. But I think his boxing ability, I think he was perfect last night. To be honest, I think that's as close as he's going to get to a, a perfect performance. I think it, you know his confidence and his boxing ability. I think it just took it just took the legs from underneath Mark Efron, and I think once he realised he couldn't land that that big punch he's got, I think he was a rabbit in the headlights then. But for me, last night was about Mark Efron stepping up to, for, for, for a, well the first time really in his career. I mean, he beat Andrew Robinson. I said that last week, but Andrew Robinson is now Liam Williams, and this was a massive step up for him. And as much as I wanted him to perform and do well. There's obviously all that part of me that thinks to myself, well, who else has he been up against, really? He's fought a lot of guys where, you know, Eastern European guys or or UK journeymen, and they're not really giving him the apprenticeship he needs to to be ready for a guy like Liam Williams. And Liam Williams stepped up to middleweight, but he had all this ability, all this fighting on the inside, boxing beautifully on the outside. And last night, he just, he shocked me. He really did shock me last night, not because I didn't think he could do that, just that I wasn't expecting the, the fight to go down and uh, as easy as he did, really. Williams made it very easy for himself.
himself last night. And then to eventually go on to stop Heffron in the 10th round was really was, was brilliant for, for Williams. It was a great performance, great end to the fight for him. Heffron just looked like he, there was only one game plan for that fight, which was we're going to try and get in the inside and land that big right hand and see where it goes. But what if he would have landed that right hand and Williams wouldn't have gone anywhere anyway? He, he would have got disheartened anyway and possibly we would have seen the same outcome should he have still landed that right hand as clean as what you would have expected it to. For me, Mark Heffron probably needed a step up sooner than jumping in with Liam Williams and that just kind of shows it last night that he's not had enough tough Liam Williams type fighters on his record to be able to then step up and take someone like Liam Williams to the trenches and it was disappointing for me as a, as a fan and, and as a guy who obviously knows Mark it was disappointing for me to watch it unfold that way but then it also made me think about the fact that this is a brilliant learning curve for him and this is the chance for him to then make the necessary adjustments if he wants to go further on and, and try and win a British middleweight title in the future. For Williams really impressed me last night and he just goes to show you how much of a tough motherfucker that guy is yeah i mean it was um as you say that's the problem with someone getting to 21 and 21 and zero and not really having the step ups step ups he needs regardless of his you know his evidence ability but he'd only been scheduled over 20 uh, over 10 rounds once before last night and then that was his first fight scheduled over 12 so you know he was thrusting at the deep end and against a very very capable opponent and I think that just that just showed in the ring but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be writing Mark Heffern off yet as you say this could be a very very important learning curve for him because Liam Williams could quite easily go on and mix it at world level whether that be at middleweight or light middle so you know he might look on, look back on this defeat as probably the the, um, the fight that taught him the most and I hope he does to be honest but yeah I think for Liam Williams now that's that's one of them fights that's really put him in the shop window so to speak it's sort of shown you know everyone that he's a serious fighter and I think them fights and the defeats to Liam Smith will now be a distant memory yeah for sure there'll have been great uh, fights on his resume where it's really helped him learn and last night he, he excelled even moving up away he excelled and that's what I was really impressed with last night another person I was really impressed with last night Jordi was the way Charlie Edwards boxed against Rosales to win the WBC flyweight title yeah, and just, just starting off, just look, want to let everyone know that that was our first betting tip that we actually been successful on in <laughs> three weeks. So I was made up with that. But, you know, more importantly, he, he was he was absolutely brilliant, Charlie. I think um, I give Rosales very few rounds on my card, but maybe the first the first round I give Rosales probably, and I sort of thought this could be a long night for Charlie. But some of the combinations he caught him with, especially one note to one, it was like an uppercut right hook, and he was just, you know, it, it caught Rosales, you know, really clean. And, and uh, stalled him in his, in his, you know, his coming forward. He's so relentless. But I think Charlie was so calm under pressure and really trusted his boxing ability and, and his game plan. And I think there's got to be a lot of credit going to Grant Smith for his game plan because it was perfect. It really was perfect last night. He boxed a beautiful fight. And I'm not saying that lightly because he really did. And even with that cut on the top of his head, blood pouring down his face at points of the fight, it must have been pretty difficult at times for him. But he still stuck to the game plan. He didn't divert from the game plan. And one of the things we were both worried about with Charlie was that he'd, he'd make the same mistakes he made in his first world title fight. And he didn't. He boxed and he stayed 
mentally in, in focus and he, he deserved that win so much and you could see what it meant to the team last night. They literally like did this huge pile on and Charlie Edwards is obviously visibly, you know, happily crying. It, it, they deserved it. And I didn't I honestly didn't know before last night that uh, his mum was there and I didn't know his uh yeah, very emotional. Yeah, it? his mum was there, and obviously it was a really emotional moment for the whole family. And I was kind of like, "Wow, you know, this kind of makes you realise what really goes on sometimes behind the scenes, and we don't always appreciate that." As boxing fans, you don't kind of appreciate how much it means to not just the fighter, but you know the fighter's family as well in the background that they don't get the limelight, of course, for obvious reasons. So it was really nice to see all that last night, and he, he well deserved it. And it just shown that he's come on leaps and bounds since that first world title fight. Yeah, and I, don't, I think you know last night winning a world title with his mum there and all his family—that's something that uh, no one can ever take away from, him, regardless of where his career goes now. But I think it was such a, a defining night for Charlie Edwards. I think he needed it. I think the defeat in the world title fight in like his seventh fight, I think it was, it, it, it was still on his mind. He spoke about it a lot in the in the build-up, but, you know, he's really put that to bed now. And in terms of Rosales, I think that win against Paddy Barnes did flatter him a little bit. You know, I think, I don't, I just don't think he could live with the ability of Charlie Edward. Yeah, I remember I you saying that, yeah. He really did. You know, Rosales didn't stop until the last bell and you wouldn't expect nothing less from a world champion, but it was just, you know, it was a very, very deserved victory for Charlie Edwards. Definitely. Well, also on the matchroom bill last night, we were talking about David Price and Tom Little and what will happen if David Price loses the fight, but fortunately he didn't and there was a premature stoppage in that fight against Tom Little, for sure. Uh, massive, massive premature stoppage, but... David Price was starting to come through with his punches last night. And what it made me think about last night after watching David Price's fight, Geordie, was that when he's not being tentative, when he's not being scared of his own shadow in the ring, that guy, man, if he if he was so much more offensive in fights rather than, than being very sort of reserved, he'd probably a re- it'd be, it'd be the force that everybody thought he was going to be. And that last night kind of proved it when he started to really unload on Tom Little. And I was like... Man, if you would have took that approach to the last few fights you'd have been in, you'd have probably beat like Povetkin and you'd have probably beat Kuzman, but instead he was too tentative yeah. for too long in the fight. And that's that's kind of what, you know, after seeing last night and seeing the way he beat Tom Little, yeah, I know it's Tom Little and he's probably levels below, like the Povetkins, of course, but it just showed me last night that if he, if he went on the offensive on the front foot more often, actually, he'd be the intimidating one in the fight and the guys who'd be fighting on the other, other corner probably would back off a little bit more because we know for a fact that guy can hit like a fucking train we know that and last night just proved yet again that he's got this talent there that's just it feels like it's just been wasted all these years and I just I just want him to do well I really do what did you think of it last night yeah well, you won't find a bigger David Place fan than me that's just sure. but um, you know I think last night was what it was in terms of ability I think the most pressing thing for me was the fact that I think under Joe McNally and he's uh, at the four corner combat gym in Liverpool I think I think David's a much more relaxed now under pressure you know sometimes in the past when he's been under pressure or he's been taking shots you know you used to see him panic but I think Tom Little had a little bit of success last night and David was very very 
calm under pressure. You know, he just covered up, took the shots, and then got back to his, you know, as you say, his front foot aggressiveness. But I think in terms of Povetkin, I don't think David believed he should have been in the ring with Povetkin. I think that that was the the loss there. And then with Kuzman, we sort of I've heard this week that it was a, you know, there was a lot going on in that fight. He was injured and he was ill, and he'd agreed to this corner to pull him out of. You know, it was going. You know, if he weren't going to get him out of there early, but I think all last night confirmed is that he he's can be in some big fights. You know, I'm definitely interested in seeing him fight Dave Allen. Wants to look as Brown now, though, doesn't he? Well, I think you know, you know, it's it's a fairly big name on his record. You know, he's quite laboured, isn't he, Lucas Brown? Although he's got power, that could probably worry David Price if he caught him clean. You know, I think he'd probably be in front of Pyrite and to frailties. He's still one of the biggest single punches in the division. So, you know, we've seen Lucas Brown get knocked out as well. I think that'll be an exciting fight. But I think he's made for David Price to be honest. So I hope he gets that fight and gets that you know that good name on his record. And he was talking this week about maybe fighting Dave Allen and trying to. Um, right the wrong of Christian Hammer so if 2019 brings Lucas Brown Dave Allen and um, Christian Hammer for David Price I think that'll be a very good year for him he would he's got the ability to do it and, and that's what frustrates a lot of people with, with David Price is that he's got all that ability and he's shown so many glimpses of it but he's just not shown the full force of it and I, I really want to see him do well I do and I mean obviously I know he's pushing on now what is he's like 34 and he, he starts to think you know is, is it really does he really want to see him carrying on well he's proved yet again that he can hurt all these guys regardless of who they are it doesn't matter if they're your Povetkins or the Tom Littles he can hurt them when he's aggressive and on that front foot he can hurt anybody I think the main thing is that he hasn't defensively his power's still there you know he, st- he looks brilliant on the scales he looks as good as I've ever seen him so you know he's getting better and you know 34 is not massively old as a heavyweight and there's a big matchroom show March 30th so hopefully we'll see David in a big fight on that bill absolutely well on the other bill in Manchester we had Martin Murray against Hassan and Dam last night who he lost Martin Murray and I wasn't expecting him to lose last night I'll be honest with you he's been boxing's greatest servant in Britain for quite a number of years now and last night I thought this was another chance for him to step himself back up to title contention and he lost the fight on a decision and I, I, I really don't know what to say about it other than the fact that I was just expecting my Murray to win and last night he, he just got out hustled throughout the fight I think and I think that some of the scorecards were, were quite wide from what I remember and I don't know if that was totally justified I don't know if you can remember that from last night yeah, I mean, the British judge gave it a draw, and then it was, uh, if I remember right, it was 116-112, and then 117-112, so, yeah, it was pretty much um, one of, he, he lost convincingly, according to a judge, but I don't know whether he, it was a tight one for me, and I think if anyone ever deserved to get, you know, a bit of a home advantage, it was probably Martin Murray, but, you know, I was truly, truly gutted to see him lose, because, you know, at the end of the fight, he'd been on Instagram today and said he's not going to make any hasty decisions, but I know he said in the IFL interview that, maybe calling it a day and I just don't want to see Martin Murray go out like that you know if Martin Murray was going to go out I, I was hoping it would be you know in a bigger fight and if he did come up short he could go out with his head held high but as you say he's, he's been a great servant to British boxing you know he's, he's, he's been everywhere he's fought everyone stood toe to toe with a prime Gennady Golovkin you know he deserved more from the game and you know I just I just did not want to see him have a or someone I has yeah maybe might maybe they might they were talking about a rematch and maybe that might happen but yeah I thought um I was hoping Matt Murray would have got a slice of luck and maybe scrape through that one yesterday. 
Yeah, we'll have to see what, what, what decision he makes on that, whether he decides to come back and tries to push for a rematch on it, or whether he decides to move on a different direction, or even whether he decides to, to call it a day, or we'll wait and see, and, you know, whatever decision he makes, uh, you know, obviously we wish him all the best and support him all the best in, in either decision, but moving on to some of the other fights last night on the undercards, we had Joshua Buatze destroying Reynold Quinlan very, very quickly last night, which... I was wa- I was watching it and I was thinking to myself, fucking hell, Boatze, man, he he is probably the UK's best prospect. And after seeing him again last night, the way he performed, I think he wiped the floor with Anthony Yard at this moment. Oh, he's got everything, mate, and you know we're yet to see him really get you know have it put on him and you know ship a few big shots. But he just looks so so exciting. And um, you know, as we touched on last week, it's about to be announced that Callum Johnson's got a big fight in America. But um, apparently, the British Border Control are going to put Boatzi and Yard out. Maybe go to Pearspeds or whatever. But I'd love to see that fight now. And as a, as with you, um, massively in Joshua Boatzi's corner. But I don't think there's many fights that go against him, even at this early stage in his career. He looks that good. I mean, Quinlan, prob- that wasn't a prime Reynold Quinlan. Whether uh, a prime Reynold Quinlan would have got fed in the fight is he didn't have a lot know, of notice for that. Fight, but, yeah, exactly. But it's just one of them. He's just. He was just outclassed, but Boatzi's definitely heading to the top. And if he doesn't get to the top of the game, you know, I'd be very, very, very surprised. He's one of the best prospects in the world, never mind Britain. What did you think about Michael Conlon's performance against Jason Cunningham last night? I thought it was decent, to be fair. And I think Cunningham deserves a lot of credit. Steffi Bull, I'm sure, will be very, very proud of him today. But he, he made uh, Conlon answer some questions. You know, he clocked him. He was sort of countering really well off the ropes and uh, the times in the fight. But Conlon's got a great style. He's, he's one for the purists, but he's also got that little bit of nastiness in him, which is... I think he picked up his first belt. I'm sure he'll win bigger belts in his career, but it was a good it was a good marker for Michael Conlon and a good end to the year for him to assess where you know just how far he's come. Yeah, I was quite impressed with him last night. I watched that fight and I watched him step up through the gears throughout the fight. And at one point, looked like he was uh, he was you know he was really hurting Jason Cunningham. And Jason Cunningham's one tough man. We've seen him in some yeah, great fights. Very, very tough, yeah. yeah, very tough fight. Very tough fight. He was in a, a great fight earlier this year with Jordan Gill, and, and you know that that just goes to show you. The mark of a man he is, he's just tough as anything, tough as nails, that guy. All these, all these talented fighters, mate, it should be said, but all these talented fighters, they need the Jason Cunningham's of the world because Jason Cunningham's not a journeyman by any stretch of the imagination. And no matter what fight he gets put into against all these guys who are probably going to go further than the man, he gets paid for the services because he's a very, very good fighter and respectable career himself. But I think these lads will look back in when they go to wherever they've got one and they'll know they were in a fight with Jason Cunningham. And Nathan Gorman went 12 rounds uh, with, oh, I can't remember his name now, is it Razvan Kanaju or is it? I can't fucking remember. Kanjani, yeah. that's the one. Uh, I can never pronounce it. And he went 12 rounds last night. Oh, God, I know. <laughs> he went 12 rounds last night and uh, he looked as good as he did in the first round at the, t- at the end of the fight as well. And he, like, he was landing some really quality shots. And again, people were asking questions about him and his stamina and all the rest of it. And I think he proved that he, he is up to the task and he's definitely definitely a fighter to be reckoned with in the heavyweight division and I'd like to see him fight Dubai at some point who was originally scheduled to fight him so this is going to be an interesting 2019 coming up with Nathan Gorman in Dubai seemingly on this collision course yeah I mean he's a very very good boxer he, he doesn't really look like a heavyweight but um, one little thing I love the uh, the corner talk if you will from Ricky Atten he's just so he's so against the grain he's brilliant and 
he really does believe in Nathan Gorman, and rightly so, really. I think that was a good 12 rounds for him, you know, good learning curve, and I'd love to see him in Daniel Dubois myself, but I think he's just such a great boxer. So with it, he could go really far. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that point as well. Uh, Ryan Walsh, Reese Bellotti as well last night. Ryan Walsh defended the title, British title last night against Reese Bellotti, and he, he looked really good last night, Ryan Walsh, and he picked up that win, and I think there was one card that had been given to Reese Bellotti, which... Uh, that was, I know that was the poor poor scorecard of the weekend for me that one yeah it was just it was Ian John Lewis wasn't it I believe but yeah it was just you know it, it wasn't fair and even Reese Bellotti to his credit he looked he looked fairly embarrassed by it but I think Ryan Walsh just showed exactly what Ryan Walsh is very 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 good British champion you know the fight with him and Jordan Gill could be really big next year but it looked to me like Reese Bellotti was just caught within two two styles really all, all the way up to this point in his, his previous 14 fights even with the one defeat he's been a bit of a, an aggressive puncher but I know he went he had good runs in the ABAs as, as, an, as an amateur but he tried to get back to his boxing and it just didn't work really I think Ryan Walsh took all his strengths away from him and just dictated the whole fight to be honest and I was really impressed with Ryan Walsh all week I thought he spoke really well I think he's a, a good servant to the game and you know got the victory to go with it so yeah I want to see uh, Ryan Walsh first Jordan Gill to be honest yeah great fight for 2019 and I'm pretty sure it'll be one that I'll be thinking about talking uh, on next year's wish list for 2019 but Obviously, wins on the cards for Tommy Fury, brother of Tyson, last night. We had Lyndon Arthur winning last night, Jack Massey winning last night on the undercards, and Warrington Frampton. So there was quite a lot of fights going on across the country last night, and obviously some notable wins. But what was your sort of standout moment across the two cards last night, Jordy? Uh, I think it's a... Uh... I think it's tough, but I think the first two rounds of uh, Warrington Frampton, I think they were just absolutely brilliant. I mean, for Warrington to get Frampton going that early and then Frampton to sort of abandon his game plan and sort of have it with Warrington. You now, it could have been all over there and then, but I think that was brilliant. But you won't, you, you can't really forget Dillian White's knockout. It was an absolute sick and it was highlight reel. Tough to watch, but that's heavyweight boxing for you. So I think the knockout for Dillian White is definitely the, the one image everyone's going to take away from a pretty crazy weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't mean to be a sort of a sheep here, but I'm probably going to agree and say my highlight for the weekend was Dillian White's knockout of Derek Chisora and how brutal it was knocking Chisora out in that fashion. I mean, obviously, I seen him get stopped by David Hay years ago, but man, I never seen him go down like a sack of shit like that last night. That was that was brutal, man. I thought he was going to be seriously hurt. Unfortunately, you know, he managed to be okay and recuperate, and there was no lasting damage. But man, it was a an absolute crazy weekend. Uh, ups, would you say upset of the the night would have been Williams and Heffron, maybe? Um, yeah, I think for most people, I think I don't, I didn't think it was an upset at all. But I think in the general consensus, it probably was. But I think Liam Williams just gave everyone a timely reminder of just how good he is. And what was the worst? <laughs> what was the worst instance of boxing you see last night? Uh, Jamel Charlo's interview after the fight, probably. <laughs> well, we no, we're not touched on that, have we? Actually, we're not touched about no, it. Obviously, obviously, world champion, WBC world champion, got beat um, over in America. And if anyone sees it, ever hasn't seen it, sorry, just go on Twitter and have a look at his post-fight interview. He really throws his toys out. Of so that was your worst moment uh, uh, of the of the weekend. A little bit embarrassing, to be honest. I think I think he lost fair and square in my eyes. I mean, at square, and instead of losing with grace, Charlo decided to have a little rant like a school child. So. Yeah, that was the worst part for me, I hate. Well, 
I don't think we've got anything more to to talk about from last night. Or the, I think is there anything else on on your mind at all from last night that we've not touched no, on? No, I actually like there was so much going on. I said to you this morning, I felt hungover after taking in <laughs> that much boxing. There was just so much going on. But I think it's going to be a regular occurrence next year. I think Frank and Eddie are definitely going to clash again more than once. So it might be something we have to get used to. But you know, I'm looking forward to rounding the year off in the next week or so and. You know, having a good rest and getting right back into it for the for the uh, big 2019. Absolutely, I totally agree with your statement there about 2019. So, for everybody that listens to the episode and has listened to the podcast since we started over a year ago, uh, all I can say is thank you so much, uh, as I always do, because I really appreciate all the support. We really appreciate all the support that you're giving us, and obviously it's helping us get to to another level and. 2019 we've got some pretty big things coming so you look out in the new year there'll be new episodes coming new legendary nights the promoters live we're going to have ones to watch it's going to be absolutely shit ton of content coming into your ears in 2019 along with some beautiful new stuff that's going to be thrown out there as soon as new year hits it's going to be there for you so keep an eye out for that um, but obviously as what you've all been doing subscribing liking sharing commenting everything that you guys the listeners have been doing for us is helping us it's helping us move on it's helping bring more attention uh, it's helping us bring more followers and, and people are really enjoying what we're doing and you know we feel like we're we're fans giving a podcast back to the fans we're not scripted we don't say anything everything's off the cuff we say what the hell we want when we want and how we want whether we're right wrong that's down to you guys to determine that but we're really happy that you're listening and that's the main thing so i hope everybody has a wonderful christmas and we'll be back for an end of year review special with a few little awards going in there for things like fighter of the year prospects of the year knockout of the year things like that i'm really looking forward to chatting to you Jordy any final words from you before we call it a podcast no, for Christmas what you said really just uh, Merry Christmas to everyone who, who listens and you know all the best looking forward to uh, reviewing the year just gone and previewing 2019 so yeah looking forward to getting that out next week so guys find us on Twitter at BTR Boxing Pod and Facebook at BTR Boxing Podcast subscribe on Podbean subscribe on Apple Podcasts have a great Christmas and we'll see you for the end of year review show